John chapter 17, verse number 1. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou wouldst take them out of the world, but thou wouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their, their sakes, sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through thy truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, 
The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. John 17 is one of the most holy of all chapters in the Word of God. It rivals or surpasses any of the Psalms. That's because we get to hear a conversation within the Godhead. We're listening to the eternal Son of God speaking with His Father. This is not the prayer of a godly saved man like David or Asaph speaking to the Lord. This is the Lord Jesus speaking to His heavenly Father. It is a conversation between the eternal Son and His infinite Father discussing a new relationship that has been created between them. This is one of the highest and holiest of all chapters, but it is also theologically important. It teaches us things not clearly seen elsewhere in the Word of God. Just as we learn more about Jehovah by watching Isaiah walk into the presence of the Lord in, in chapter 6, we learn much more by following the Lord Jesus into the Holy of Holies. This conversation displays important Christian doctrine, but not from our perspective. It's from the perspective of heaven. It's the Lord looking down on this doctrine. Whereas we see it from a human viewpoint, this time it is from above. Not only is this holy, not only is this theological, but there are some practical aspects to this prayer as well. And it's this practical aspect that we will come to in a few minutes. I'm not going to keep you very long this evening. And I'm hoping you don't check out before I get done. These 26 verses could be preached as a gospel message. I say that because we are reminded here that there are two kinds of people in this world. There are those souls whom the Father has given to the Son to save. Christ says in verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the man which thou gavest me out of the world. In other words, there are others who are still in the world. They're not saved. And they have not been given to Christ to save. Then in verse 11, Jesus says, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. And verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. There are people whom the world hates. Because the world hates the God and Savior of the people of those world, of, of those, those people that the Lord has saved. So in addition to those whom Christ and the Father have loved and saved, are those who are outside the bonds of this grace which is referred to. Jesus says in verse 9, I pray not for the world 
I don't pray for the people of the world. I pray for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. These others are not. I'm not. I'm not reading things into this. This is what it says. The Lord Jesus does not pray for the wicked. He does not pray for the unbelieving people of the world, at least in regard to this particular prayer. And again in verse 14, Jesus prays, I have given thy word to our people. And the people of the world hated them because our people are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. This globe has people who we might call the haves. There are the haves and there are the have-nots. And I'm not referring to economics. There are people who possess forgiveness of sin and eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are those who do not have any of the blessings of this saving grace. There are haves and there are have-nots. They, others, have not humbly repented and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are two varieties of the, peop of the people of this earth. There are two varieties of people in the world, the saved and the lost. There are the redeemed and there are the rest. Yes. Besides referring to these haves and have-nots, the scripture also speaks, this scripture also speaks of another group of people. We shall call them a subgroup of the first. This is what first attracted me to this theme and this message this evening. There are people chosen by God who will eventually be saved, but they have not yet been saved. In verse 20, after praying for his disciples, Christ adds, Neither pray I for these, my disciples, alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. God has his elect who have not yet put their faith in Christ and his death on the cross. They will one day be saved. Yes. It is guaranteed they will be saved. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they may also be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse number 21. And how shall those future saved people be brought to the Savior? Through the words and the ministry of those whom the Lord has already saved. Verse number 20. The words of John 17 are tied together in a nice, neat bundle with at least two beautiful ribbons wrapping them. One going this way and one going this way. Or at least in my imagination. Some of you might remember that I preached and later published 18 messages from John 17. If you don't have a copy of that book, just ask me for it and you'll have one. I broke the chapter into 18 messages, looking at one verse or two or three verses at a time. Tonight, before looking at verse number 20, let me tie those messages back together in one lump using these 
two ribbons. There is a common but interesting Greek word found 16 times in these 26 verses. And I'm not referring to an article like the or a. Didomi is usually translated in some form of to give. That is the only way it is rendered in this prayer. But it is used in several ways. In verse 4, for example, the Lord Jesus refers to the commission which the Father gave to him. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. What was the divine given work? It was that Jesus gave his life on the cross for the salvation of many. Paraphrasing verse number two, Jesus said, Father, you have given me power over all flesh that I should give eternal life to some of the children of Adam. That's a paraphrase. In verses 8 and 14, Christ says that he had faithfully given, he had faithfully dispensed the word which the Father had given him to share. And then in verse 22, he testifies that he had given to his people the glory which the Father had given to him. Didomi is found throughout this prayer. It speaks of the responsibility which the Father had given to the Son and of the Son's gift of salvation to humble believers. From there, that word leads us into another level of giving. It leads us into a doctrine that is despised in Christianity. Denied, even though it's right there. The people whom Jesus saves were the Father's people in eternity past. Yes. Chosen before the foundation of the world. These were the only people given by the Father to the Son to save. Yes. I'm not making this up. Verse 2. Father, I have fulfilled my task to give eternal life to as many as thou hast given to me. Verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest to me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Verse 24. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Around the, the length of this prayer, this chapter, is the ribbon of God's gracious giving. It includes the golden ribbon of God's sovereign election, his choice to give. And I shouldn't need to remind you that in this case, this is not the doctrine of the Apostle Paul. This isn't Peter preaching. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. And furthermore, he's not teaching. He's not speaking to 
Peter and saying, this is what you ought to share with folk. He is in casual conversation with the Heavenly Father. It's just a matter of fact. This is just the way things are. So he's discussing whether the sky is blue or water is wet or salvation is by God's sovereign choice. It's so simple. The other ribbon which goes around the breadth of John 17 is in fact the word of God. We find it in verse 4, in verse 17, in verse 14, in verse number 20, and it's hinted at in several other verses as well. They have believed thy truth. What truth? The word. Christ speaks of the scriptures in verse number 12. Christ Jesus says that his commission and purpose is to give eternal life to God's elect. Verse number 2. Father, glorify thy Son as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And what is the nature of eternal life? This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. There are two ways in which Christ brought the Father to us, enabling us to see him, quote, unquote. One way in which we were introduced to God is through the incarnation of God's Son. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. What glory is that? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. John chapter 1 verse number 14. But in a second way, the Lord Jesus has spoken to us of the Father. Again and again. In different ways. He's told us about the Father. He has revealed God to us through his words. He has revealed God to us through his word. Through the gospel. Verse number 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. He manifested God. They received how? Through the word. They kept the word. It's through God's word, both written word and the living word, that we have been made to know God. We know him who was made manifest to us when we keep by faith God's word. Still with me? Yes. Verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they received them. I gave them the words you gave to me, and they received them, that they, and they have believed that thou didst send me. From time to time, we need to look back at the manner in which the Lord saved our souls. 
in order to see how to move forward in sharing our faith with others. We need to see the pit from whence we have been digged. We need to see how lost we were. And then, how did the Lord deliver us? How did he lift us up? When I first had, first had trusted Christ as my Savior, it was after a gospel evangelist came along and pointed his bony finger at me and told me I was a sinner and condemned to the lake of fire. That man told me that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Savior. Yes. He told me that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. And the only way to God is through Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit took his word, speaking to my heart, and with that, I went to the cross with the confidence, as in the testimony this morning, with the confidence that Christ could save me. He is the Savior. He came to save sinners. I am a sinner. It's with God's words that I was given spiritual life. And in the process, not only did I have spiritual life, things began to change in the physical life as well. I was redirected from overt selfishness to a yearning for eternal things. Not that it's always been as prominent as it should have been, but throughout my 50 years of salvation, I've yearned for the things of God, the Word of God. The smile of the Savior. And this set me at odds with the world around me. Verse 13, Jesus prays, Father, it's my desire that they might, be, they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The reception and application of God's word highlights the fact that the Christian is no longer a part of Satan's dominion. We're different. The world hates those who have been born again because they have a new God, a real God, Jehovah. They love the true God. And with that new heart and with that new love, they pattern their lives after a new Revelation, which is not actually new, the Word of God, which is new to that newly saved person. And with the continued application of that Word, those new believers grow more and more strange, different. They're aliens. They don't belong in this world. It's Jesus' prayer that God sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, verse 17. When a sinner is born again, he immediately, instantly is changed. He is no longer lost, he's found. He's a saint, set apart. He becomes a child of God, set apart and made righteous in God's sight. But he still lives in a temporary, corrupted, and corruptible 
flesh. It's a problem. He's still a sinner. He still commits sins against the Lord. Again and again and again. Even though he may not want to, he does. There's just this weakness, this propensity in us to sin. But there should be, there will be an ongoing sanctification throughout that Christian's earthly life. He will want to throw aside those sins which he knows God hates. He will want to bring glory to his Savior. And with the blessing of the Holy Spirit, he will do that. He will want to bring others to Christ. As Andrew yearned to bring his brother Simon to the Lord. I've got that right, isn't it? Andrew and Simon. Over time, he submits to the Lord. And he will grow in these things and in other things. As he submits to the Lord and the Lord Jesus' prayer for our sanctification is answered by God the Father. He will progress and grow in practical sanctification. This ongoing sanctification will be fueled and directed by the Holy Spirit through the Word. Without the Word, we don't know, we don't want to understand, we, we won't grow, we won't be sanctified. It's the Savior's prayer, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And with this I come back to what first caught my attention. Christ Jesus, in speaking with his heavenly Father, said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. As time passes, and until the, the final of all days, a stream of sinners like ourselves will be saved by grace through faith. And every one of them will put their faith in Christ. He's the Savior. But notice how the Lord expresses that fact in this verse. They shall believe on me through these other Christians' word. After speaking about the importance and the use of God's word... Here the Savior refers to their word, our words. Has the Lord moved on to a different Bible, different language, new words? Of course not. Rather, Jesus refers to the words which the Christian has made his own, but which are still God's words Rooted in the words of the gospel. Mm -hmm. The Lord uses our testimony. Mm -hmm. Our witness. Yes. Our words. To bring other Andrews and Simons to himself. He uses otherwise useless preachers to share the gospel. People. Their words. If, as some people say, a generation lasts 40 years before another generation takes over, 
If a generation is 40 years, then more than 50 generations have passed since the Lord spoke with his father in John 17. And the changes which have taken place in this world during those 2,000 years has been enormous. I don't need to tell you. But the hearts of people today are still exactly as they were in Jesus' day. Or in Noah's day, much before that. People are still spiritually dead. They are still in need of eternal life, which is only found in Christ Jesus, the Savior. The answer to humanity's need has not changed in these 50 to 55 generations. People cannot be redeemed through the ever-changing vocabulary of philosophies and psychologies. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And as I quoted earlier this morning, neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Lord Jesus is still praying for those sinners who will be saved tomorrow and next week. Next year. But the question I'd like to propose to you this evening is, how shall they hear without a preacher? They have to hear to be sanctified. They They have to hear to know what the gospel is. They have to hear to learn about the Father. How shall they hear without a preacher? Jesus said to the Father, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Yes, God has a general purpose and plan for the universe. And he will be glorified in the fulfillment of his plan down to the last tiny detail. He has also specific plans for individual souls in that universe. Individuals that he intends to save are not yet saved. And a part of that plan includes the way in which that individual soul will find out that he needs a Savior and who the Savior is. Not only is our Savior praying for those who will believe on him, but there is a sense in which he is praying for us who carry our word to them. Yes. It's all one plan. Yes, it is. Again, think about that. The Savior, the second person of the Godhead, is praying for then those he intends to save next week, next year. Each and every one of them will repent and will cast themselves down before the cross, pleading for mercy and some fashion or another. But in the plan and decree of God, you and I are a part of the Lord's prayer and the outworking of divine providence. We have a job to do within God's eternal decree. We have responsibilities, even under the very prayer of the Lord Jesus in chapter 17. What an awesome thought. What an awe-inspiring consideration. 
We are a part of God's eternal plan of redemption for those who have not yet believed. They will believe. Now, what are you doing to fulfill God's <coughs> What are you doing to share God's word? Their word. When all God's saints stand before the judgment seat of Christ, when we're all there, what will be said of us? To whom have we spoken about the Savior? With whom have we shared the gospel? Will there be anyone there like Simon and Andrew beside us? I'm not saying that they will look to us and say, thank you for your evangelism. We'll all be looking at the Savior. The Savior knows what's happened. What we have done. These, will there be anyone there who has been saved because of our word? Mm. It's God's word. It's got to come through our mouth at some point. Yes. Amen. Amen. 